today and to share in a few minutes in the study of God's Word. It's uh, a blessing to me to be with the White Oak Congregation uh, for the name that you've carried for many, many, many years in sharing and spreading the gospel of Christ and for standing for that which is true, for loving one another, caring for one another, and the joy of the fellowship that you have in Christ Jesus. I uh, was unaware until the announcement this morning of the passing of Sister Wilma, and I, I'm very, very sorry to hear that. Uh, joyful and wonderful lady in Christ, and uh, will be greatly, greatly missed by so many. This morning, as we begin to share from the Word of God, we want to talk about what the Bible describes as a memorial that uh, we can be a part of. And we're very, very familiar with the Lord's Supper. And we know how that memorial takes place and how we can participate in it. But we also may look for a memorial in our own lives. There's so many different kinds of memorials that we have in the life in which we live. I've had the opportunity to travel to Washington, D.C., to Arlington National Cemetery, and see the many thousands of graves that are there to look at the uh, flame, eternal flame on the grave of John F. Kennedy. I was there during the funeral procession for uh, Secretary of Commerce Ron Brown, who was killed in 1995 in an uh, airplane crash, and to see the, the ceremony and the, the all that takes place in regarding the lives of those who seek and serve our country, the great monuments that are there within the city. We travel around the world and we see all kinds of monuments and memorials that have been built to those who have passed on, some of those who gave great sacrifice, some of those who were great leaders. But I can also take you to Walker County, Alabama, to the Fairview Cemetery, to where all of my, or a good number of my ancestors are buried. It's usually on the first weekend, the first Saturday in May, going out, and we have what is called Decoration Day. Now, how many of you are familiar with Decoration Day? Well, if we asked our children, our grandchildren, they won't know for most of them, but we know about Decoration Day when we go out and oftentimes clean the graves and prepare flowers and put them there and look at the monuments and discuss Walking through the cemetery for those who have done that before, the lives of those that have lived and when they were born and when they were died or when they died and to pass on information about one with the other. It's important to us. We all have our memorials. And what we have in a memorial is something that we would refer to as hallowed ground. Our national cemetery here, Chattanooga, uh, the national cemetery as well as uh, the National Park uh, in Chickamauga. They call it hallowed ground. It's where those who have died before, uh, who have passed away, the, the ground is there in reference to them. In other words, it's something that's dedicated to them. But a memorial is something, though, that we can develop not only as a monument built to the lives of men and women and what they've done, but we also build monuments and memorials in our own lives. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. If you'll give us just a little bit of time, and the Lord will, and we'll look at it together. 
In Mark, the fourth chapter, we have a reading there, beginning in verse 3, that talks about a memorial. And it says, And while they were at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard. The one reclining at the table here, of course, is in reference to our Lord Jesus. It was very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And there were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was this ointment wasted like this, or like that? For this ointment could have been sold for uh, 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone and do not trouble her. She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good to them. But you will not have me always with you. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And then in verse 9, And truly I say to you, whenever the gospel or wherever the gospel is preached or proclaimed in the whole world that what she has done will be told in her memory. Here we have in part is a prophecy of Jesus as he speaks to what's going to happen in the future. He talks about the alabaster box being broken, the nard poured out upon him, the fragrance that went out through the room, and he said, there's nothing wrong with this. It's good. He explains that she is anointing him, preparing for his burial. But also as he shares this, he says it's a beautiful thing that has taken place. Now what are we talking about? Well, the essence of, we're talking about a, a memorial that, that we're making. But Jesus describes what takes place in the actions of this woman. He says she has done a, a beautiful thing. You know, there's a little side note here we'll go on when he says that the poor you have with you always. That, that passage has been used a, a, a lot of times, I believe, uh, to uh, maybe, uh, maybe misuse from time to time. Jesus is simply saying is, you know, there's always going to be things that need to be taken care of financially. But there are some things that go beyond that. And Jesus was saying, and my presence and in you or with you here today. And the message that I'm sharing with you goes beyond that. Because those opportunities will always be there. But there are some things that are so much more important. There's another thing that Jesus says here. He says, and I love this passage. It says she has done what she could. Think about that for just a moment. She has done what she could. Jesus didn't say she's done something. He said she did what she could do. Now, the thought is she built a, a memorial. She'll be, people will be remembering her for throughout all time as long as the gospel's been preached. And do you know why, in, in fact, that she did it? One, well, because she, recognized, she was recognized for what she did for the Lord. But she did what she could. Now, as I look at myself, and as a, as a Christian seeking to serve the Lord, 
I could say, you know, I do a lot of things. And uh, I could, that could be said of you. We do a lot of different things in our life, and, and we do a lot of good. But the emphasis here, she did what she could do. Now, she couldn't take care of all the poor in the world. She could not make it possible for uh, all the people in the world to be fed. And she, there's so many other things in her role as a woman, even in that period of time, that she was unable to do. But let me tell you what she could do. She could do what she did. And in talking about a memorial in life, that encourages me. Because what it says to me is this, I do not have the talent and ability to do what some others may do. But you know what? I can do what I can do. I can do what God has given me the ability to do. I can fulfill what God has called upon me to do in my life. And there's some little things that I might be able to do that others can't. But she has done what she could. Now, the whole premise of what we're talking about here today is what about a memorial in our life? This woman has a memorial to her. We're talking about her today and we're singing her praises and we're talking about the kind of life that she lived in service of, uh, of Christ upon this occasion. And now we look at ourselves and we have to ask the question, what am I doing? Am I doing what I can or am I just doing? In other words, am I out there being active to fulfill some role of activity or am I really excited and doing what God has given me the ability to do? When this woman did what she could, she was blessed and the blessings continue. Let's think a little bit further about memorials. In Mark chapter 12 verses 40 and 40, 41 through 44, we read about what is called sometimes the widow's might. And Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offering was put and watched the crowd putting the money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts of money, but the poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Now think about it for just a moment. In the temple, there was a specific area for the treasury. And that treasury had a box, as we understand today, that the box itself may have been of a wooden structure on the outside or covered in wood. And on the top of it, as it is described, it has almost a funnel-like entrance that would have been made out of metal. And that funnel-like entrance of where the, the coins could be cast into it, and they would funnel down and go into the box that was below. Drawings of the temple today and trying to guesstimate exactly where that sat uh, will help us to be able to see that picture. Now, from the pictures that I've seen, that are the depictions that I've seen of what it would have looked like at that time, uh, it would have been very interesting because it says here, you remember the woman and she cast in the, the coins, but what it talks about the others, and when it speaks about in, them, in this version it says they threw in uh, their, their contribution. Others, it says they cast it in. And you begin to look up that word, and that word actually carries the idea of actually throwing something. Now, if you're in the temple, and here comes the rich guy, and the rich guy comes in and he opens it up and he drops his coin into the metal funnel that feeds into the box. And you hear all the noise that's going in. They cast it in. In other words, it wasn't something as we have here today and they didn't have a lot of, uh, they didn't have uh, paper currency and things of that nature. But when they pass the collection plate, you know, here today we'll put in uh, money of some kind. Sometimes you'll see an individual put into a, 
a coin or something of that nature. But the sounds were important. I remember as a kid, I had a, a, a kid that sat by me in church one time and they passed the plate to him. And he put his hand up like he was going to put some money in it. And then he took his thumb and hit the bottom of the plate so it'd make like he dropped something in, you know. And uh, I, I'm thinking that some of these folks that were... Uh, uh, contributing some of these Jews that had a lot of money, they wanted that sound to be made. They wanted people to see it. And I think it's interesting. Jesus is sitting there, and he says he saw. He sat so he could watch what was going on. And uh, he was a, in, in essence, in part a, a people watcher. There, he was watching what they were doing. He was giving an example a little bit later to his apostles or disciples. But while he was there, he was watching what was taking place. And the wealthy were coming. They were casting in their gift on that occasion. But it goes on as we continue to, to read here. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. And they all gave out of their wealth. But she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all that she had to live on. Now, what do we understand here? Well, we understand that what Jesus was saying, it, it wasn't the amount that she gave, it wasn't the percentage that she gave, but it was the sacrifice that she made. Her story, we don't know her name, but we know today that there's a memorial to her. In other words, we look back over 2,000 years and each one of us are encouraged. And as we tell that story, that, that widow that came and put in those coins, we hold her in great esteem. Why? Because of the sacrifice that she made. Are we building memorials today? We live in the most blessed place in all the world. We live in a country where we've been given more than uh, people who live in all kind of places around the world. And it's a beautiful and a wonderful place to live. We've been given the opportunity on many occasions to be able to have more, possess more, to own more, uh, to accumulate more than people in other countries all around the world. But as we are living every day and we are giving and we're sharing, are we giving and sharing and just hearing the sounds of what takes place as we give? Are we truly living in such a way that a memorial can be built to us. I love to read stories about brothers and sisters in Christ who lived on meager means through their lives. And then when it came to time for them to die and they went on to their heavenly home and all of a sudden you read in their wills where they left large amounts of money that no one even knew they had uh, for the kingdom of God and for sharing with others. In other words, they were those individuals who sacrificed in the life in which they lived to be able to give to others. Are the stories of those who have sacrificed in the life so that they might be able to provide an education for their children, be able to encourage them and help them along in life. We need to be the kind of people, not just the kind of people who are giving and sharing and participating and serving God as far as being a part of the family, but we also need to be individuals who are building memorials, not because we want someone to worship us. It's because our heart is so tuned toward God and we have so much faith that He's going to take care of us 
that it's impossible for memorials not to be coming up first to God, but also later on to remember the kind of lives that we've lived. You know people that have been a part of this congregation in the past, I know that you do, who have sacrificed greatly. And when their names are mentioned, a memorial goes up to them because of their love for God and their service to Him. Another passage of Scripture comes from Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, we read a little bit about the people who truly sacrifice for God and and a memorial that goes to them. In Matthew 10, beginning in verse 40, we read these words. Whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous one or person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. But this is the point that really caught my attention in study. And whosoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Look at this passage of Scripture here for just a moment. He's talking about these little ones. I can remember when I first read this, I go back and look, and I said, well, were were there children that were somewhere in this association? Jesus talks about these little ones. Well, what He's talking about is those who take care of God's people, those who took care of their prophets, those who encouraged those who were teaching and spreading the gospel, those who were supporting those who were trying to do the Lord's will. He said, you're going to be blessed. He said, you may not be a prophet, but you're going to be blessed like a prophet. You may not be able to carry the title of righteousness, but you'll be blessed in that way. Because why? Because you're supporting it with what you have. But then he goes on and says this. He gives one of these little ones. What is he referring to? One of the versions reads like this, And anyone who gives one of my, of my most humble followers a cup of cold water. Jesus is helping us to understand how memorials are built in the lives of individuals as we serve God. He's talking about those that go out and serve and how we help and encourage and support. But he's also saying this. He says they are little ones. They're insignificant people in the eyes of the world. But he says, you know what? If you are supporting those who seem to be insignificant to the eyes of the world, but greatly servants of mine, these are the humble. These are the people when you serve them, you will be blessed. It's so easy to help those who don't need help. It's so easy to help those who already have because how we help them is so we do not have to engage with all of uh, the finances and the heart and, uh, and, the, and the love and the joy maybe that we would with someone with the lesser deeds. But brothers and sisters, we need to be looking for the little ones. We need to be looking for those individuals who are faithful servants of God but may suffer and struggle and go through difficulty. And when we support them, and when we encourage them, and when we lift them up, even if it's just giving a cup of cold water, the Lord recognizes that. 
he sees and speaks of us as he speaks of those here who a memorial is given to them. Their names are mentioned because of their faithfulness to God and supporting one another. I'd encourage us all to remember that because sometimes in life we easily overlook those who are the most needed or have the most need. And in life, you and I can be a great blessing to God's people and support them in that way. The next thing I'd share with you here is the memorial of a man by the name of Cornelius. You're familiar with him. In Acts chapter 10, verse 4, the angel speaking to Cornelius, as of course you know, he was the first Gentile convert. He said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. The idea is uh, Cornelius had a memorial and he was honoring God in what he was doing and God recognized what he was doing in that situation. It was his prayers and it was godly life and it was recognized. You know, oftentimes as a Christian, we may begin to feel that the work we do and what we share with one another and the sacrifice that were made it's not noticed. But reading from the Old and from the New Testament, we read that God's eyes are always upon us and that he recognized, in this one case, this man by the name of Cornelius. And he said, your prayers and your good deeds, your helping of the poor, this is a great blessing and God sees it. You know, the people of the world may never see any good that we do. But I'm thankful that God sees it because that's an encouragement to me to know that he cares enough that he sees the good that is done and we're able to encourage other. It was Cornelius's prayers that were making a, a big difference here. Now, there's a term that I don't use, uh, I guess, enough or maybe too much. Um, there's a term I'm not common with that much, but I've heard it before, and they're called prayer warriors. You've heard of that before. And actually what it means are people who are just dedicated to prayer. And in, in the Lord's church, sometimes I'm afraid that we haven't given the significance that Scripture does to being a prayerful people. I don't know if prayer warrior is the term, but we need to be people who are out there praying and praying and praying for other individuals. I can remember through the years, little sisters in the congregation that would come up, and as they would leave on Sunday morning, we'd discuss what was going on in their life and uh, things that they were dealing with. And then all of a sudden, one of them may say something like this. They'd say, Brother Mike, I want you to know that I pray for you every day. Brothers and sisters, that's the most powerful thing in the world. Because I couldn't think of anybody in the world that needed prayer more than I did. And, 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 and I've got to think about it. Do I pray for these sisters every single day? The prayers that were given by Cornelius were memorial to God, but also to his godly style of living. Let's be praying for one another. I don't know how much time that we allot in our lives to do that, but we need the prayers. Preachers need your prayers. Teachers need the prayer. Those who are in leadership roles need the prayer. We all need it all the time. And let's be the kind of people that are building memorials in our lives and giving them to God and in part by the prayers that we pray each and every day and encourage one another. I know several years ago, uh, I uh, was diagnosed with a form of cancer. And uh, for those of you who have gone through something like that, you know that 
with a diagnosis like that, it's, it is something that is shocking that uh, you really begin to think about some serious things in life if you haven't already. But I remember that as, after I went through surgery and following that, there was a couple. I won't mention their name, but they attended the Central Congregation in Chattanooga. I had remembered meeting them maybe once or twice just in general passing. Every single week, for weeks and weeks, they sent me a card. And I began to think about it. Why, why are they doing that? I said, I appreciate them. I remember the cards that I got during that period of time. I can't remember how many, but I kept them in a, in a large sack because I'd never received that kind of outpouring. And at that time in my life, that was really, really important to me. But time and time again, that brother and sister did that. You know what they were doing? They were doing what they could and to this very day, I remember them because of what it meant to me and what they did for me. I remember going through a difficult time in my life, sitting down with a brother, a businessman, professional man, and talking to him about what was going in my life, and I was greatly stressed and, and, and about what I was having to deal with. And as I sat there and talked to him, he began to cry. Tears came into his eyes. The compassion that he felt. The love that he expressed. And you know, somebody says, well, you know, sometimes people get emotional at things. But you see, I remember that. And he is a memorial, has one built to him in my heart because of the expression of kindness and sympathy that he expressed to me. Are we doing the kinds of things in the life that we live today to encourage others in that way and to build memorials in our life? Now, what we want to make sure is that we're building memorials and not mausoleums. A memorial, of course, is maybe some statue, maybe something like the Washington Monument or the, or the uh, Lincoln Memorial, as we think about that. They're not necessarily crypts is what they're designed for, but the whole idea behind it is that it's a memorial that's there. In Matthew 23, beginning in verse 27, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, the outside, you appear to be people to be righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Of course, as a Christian, that is not what we want at all. But we must be careful that we don't somehow go about to present ourselves as what we're not. That we raise ourselves up to be monuments that people can see. But on the inside, really what we are are mausoleums or crypts full of dead men's bones. You see, sadly, though, that's, that's a possibility in life. Because sometimes we like the praise of men more than we like the honor of God in our life. And we have to be careful about that. Satan would love to take what things are being built in our lives as memorials and turn them into mausoleums or into crypts. In other words, so that we begin to enjoy the pleasure of the outside being seen more than we do the pleasure of the inside in a relationship with Christ. We're all here this morning, hopefully because we love the Lord. We look across and we see one another and we're thankful for each other 
And we look at each other and say, these are people of God. But sometimes, sometimes we may find that in our heart, things aren't right. It may be that they aren't right with others in relationships. It may be that they aren't right with God and our Lord Jesus in the relationship with Him. We must be careful, always careful as we look at our memorials to make sure that they're not mausoleums. We could go to Hebrews 11 and read of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and Moses, and Gideon, and Samson, and we could go on and on. We get to look at the life of David and think about all the great things. The Hebrews chapter 11, here we see the hall of the faithful as God has described them and given us an example of this. And as we read that chapter, uh, we find memorials built to those people because of the different parts of their godly lives that they gave to Christ. But we want to make sure that our lives are staying that way all the time. You know, in, in cemeteries, there are a lot of monuments. But a lot of times also there are different kinds of cemeteries. Where my ancestors are buried, we take up a fund, and we've raised quite amount of money. And it's been set up to take care of the cleaning of those graves for years to come. Because we come to find out that uh, as the younger people come along, they don't have quite as much interest in doing that as maybe some of the older ones did. And then we have cemeteries today that maybe some of us are looking forward to one day our remains being buried in that are known as uh, memorial gardens of a type where they're perpetually taken care of all the time. And really, as we think about our spiritual lives, we want our spiritual life any memorial that's in it, to be in a memorial garden, something that is constantly taken care of, something that is constantly being moved and motivated in a way that brings us closer to Christ. In a spiritual sense, where we seek to do God's life and way each and every day that we live. A final passage is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, where the Apostle Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a memorial to God. And that's what we want to be able to do. When I die, whatever day that happens to be, if it's this week or if it's today or if it's years to come, I would like to be able to die in such a way that there were individuals would believe and know that I was a follower of of Jesus Christ. But that can only take place by me living as a living sacrifice to God. And the greatest memorial that I could ever live, and the greatest one in your life too, would be for someone to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's live every day to build a memorial. Some are great, huge buildings. Some are just little plaques. It's not the size of the memorial that makes the difference. It's the life of the individual that was lived in Christ Jesus. Today, if you're not a saint, I call upon you to seek the way of the Lord in doing His will. If you'll believe that Jesus is the Christ, based upon the evidence that's given to us in the Word of God you can be led to come to a point in your life through that spiritual journey to believe that Jesus is the Christ, to repent of the 
earthly things of this world that need to be regarded as gone and to confess His great name and to be baptized or immersed into Christ and, and to relive His death, burial, and resurrection. For those of us who are Christians, brothers and sisters, let's live every day. Let's build memorials. Not so that we can be seen, but so that Christ can be seen in each one of us. Let us be standing as we sing together.